Chapter 4. Woe be to thee. Isaiah 3:11. 3 o'clock sharp and there she was right on time as usual. And father how was your day, she greeted me. Exciting. Very exciting, I replied spontaneously without thinking. How so, she asked with a quizzical look. I hesitated. I should have thought more carefully before I spoke. Well, I finally decided to go on a diet. It would be good for me to lose a few pounds don't you think? No father, you look just fine she pandered. Thank you for the compliment but it's too late now. I've already committed myself to dieting that is. I just started up Father Francis's old freezer in the garage and packed it with wholesome veggies. I'll take out a package or two every day and ask you to include them in our meals. I don't know if it will work but it will be a good start. What do you think? I concluded. I think that's a wonderful idea. Maybe I'll lose a few pounds too, she agreed. I'll go right now and pick out a couple, she added. No. I'm not quite sure what I want yet so I'll go and get them, I stammered. Okay, just put them on the kitchen counter and I'll take care of it when I come back from cleaning upstairs. With that, she left the room. I fell back in the chair both relieved and pleased. I surprised myself how easily and spontaneously I had come up with that story on the spur of the moment. I had explained why she might find the freezer running and at the same time discouraged her from snooping at its contents. Only a couple of problems remained. I couldn't just leave Blake there indefinitely and vegetables weren't necessarily my favorite food, but I would have to start eating lots of them. Then too, what if Blake was found missing? What if someone came to investigate? What if there was a long power outage? I immediately searched through my memory. Had anyone seen Blake and me together? Not that I could remember. Who would report him missing anyway? It was my understanding that drug addicts go missing all the time and nobody even pays attention. They just figured that they OD'd that or went on to another city for whatever reason. Besides, Blake said that he had little contact with his family so how would they even consider him missing? The only person he ever mentioned was Harry Jackson. I didn't know if he had actually kept in contact with Harry or he was only buffing. As far as a power outage goes, it looked like I'd have to buy a generator. Each night from that time on was filled with sleeplessness and horrid dreams many of which bordered on hallucination. Once I was aroused in the middle of the night by a voice coming from the hallway outside my bedroom. I sat up with a start and called out to see who was there. Instantly, I reached for the light by the bed. Before I could turn in on a shadowy figure appeared, silhouetted in the doorway. He immediately called out to me can I come to bed with you now father? It was Blake's voice. I was sure. I continued to fumble for the light switch and finally was able to snap it on. As soon as I did, the dark outline collapsed into nothingness. Mornings I awakened with sweat-soaked sheets and once even soiled myself during the night. The longest period of uninterrupted sleep was three hours at the best. Each time, I awakened I felt compelled to go downstairs, into the garage and check the freezer. I must have opened that lid and peered in a million times. Maybe I was unconsciously hoping to find it empty. That would assure me that all of this was but a frightful dream. However, most probably I was hoping to find it still containing the undisturbed body. That would assure me that it had not been discovered. Every visit yielded temporary relief from my anxiety but at the same time stoked even more guilt and self-condemnation. My paranoia deepened with every passing day. To make things even worse I knew it coming and coming soon. That was Saturday, the day I routinely administered the sacrament of penances. How could I hear the confessions of others and grant them absolution after doing what I myself had done? Sunday would follow and how could I celebrate the Eucharist in feigned piety after this grievous act? These apprehensions nagged at me with ever-increasing relentlessness as the days approached. I was soon filled up to my eyeballs with broccoli, peas, 
corn, and the like. But as Blake had said, desperate people do desperate things in desperate situations. It appears he was right and I kept on choking them down day after day. It seemed that Mrs. Krauss didn't mind at all. She frequently commented on the prospect of her losing weight. She eagerly consumed every morsel of the vegetables at our evening dinners. It was about seven at night. Mrs. Krauss had just left, and I was seated in the den. I took advantage of every minute of sleep that I could while knowing full well that a good night would most probably not lie ahead. I was suspended in that netherland, not fully conscious nor fully asleep. Suddenly I was startled by a cold, wet object pressing hard against my cheek and scratching at my arm. My eyes snapped open to see Lilith. I looked at the clock on the far wall. It was well past her dinner time and she was there to remind me. I reached out and patted her on the head. On my way, the body again flashed through my mind just as it had almost every wakeful minute. Instead of the pantry, I went into the garage. Lilith followed. I once more opened the lid. Everything looks exactly as it had two hours ago when I had last looked in. I closed the lid with a thud. Lilith let out a low, long whimper and tugged at my pant leg. Okay girl. I know. I know. I repeated and again began walking towards the pantry. She followed me out of the garage and into the kitchen. I retrieved the cat food can from the pantry. As I re-entered the kitchen, I saw her sitting before the door leading to the garage. She was giving the same low, long whimper as before. Within an instant a most evil and gruesome thought flared to mind. Evil and gruesome, yes, but most certainly an exquisite solution to my evil and gruesome problem. Could I really do it? The thought of it was repulsive yet appealing. The act itself would require all the fortitude that I could muster. I would think about this long and hard before summoning the courage to commit this heinous deed. Then again, I knew I would have all night to ponder it. I had had little sleep all the nights before and now I knew there would have none at all this night. I fed Lilith. As I left the kitchen for the upstairs, I again noticed her sitting before the door of the garage. Had she read my mind? Or maybe I had read hers? Does anyone know what a cat might think much less whether telepathy even exists? Chapter 5